Hello everyone, welcome back to IXDA Stories, offering stories by the Interaction Design Association community for the community. Each episode this season, we'll be taking a deep dive with some of the thought leaders and partners of the upcoming Interaction 21 conference. I'm your host, Elaine Mathias. In this episode, we're excited to speak with Odile Jeanette, an Indigenous Canadian activist and member of the Inua community of Pesame on Quebec's North Coast. Odile is dedicated to using her voice to uphold and promote the rights of Indigenous peoples by breaking down barriers of accessibility, promoting Indigenous resurgence, and increasing Indigenous societal participation. We are excited to have Odile present the morning keynote on day two of Interaction 21. Here's Odile speaking with Alexi Morin, co-chair of Interaction 21 and design lead at CBC Radio Canada. So, yeah, thank you for making the time to have a chat. To start off, let's warm up. And can you tell us something about yourself that maybe we wouldn't get from reading your bio? Well, I guess... um... I had a difficult journey, like uh, a lot of Indigenous youth, to try to find my identity. I'm mixed blood. Uh, my mother is French-Canadian from Quebec, uh, raised me in French her entire life. And, but she was also the one that gave me, me rooted in all of the Indigenous resistance movements and all of the Indigenous uh, uh, political engagement uh for like centuries and centuries so so she's the one that gave me a lot of all of the education about that she raised me in quebec native women's so around native women movements so it was really powerful to see how you know being faced with a lot of discrimination and racism and exclusion and and seeing the power of unity through the women's movement was really in my journey but it's really through education that i ended up um getting all of the sense of identity and understanding a little bit more the contribution that I could play and that I could choose to take. Because I think like a lot of Indigenous youth, we we, we kind of were faced in with a society that we believe we kind of need to integrate instead of like, like feeling a little bit apart. But uh, really education gave me the opportunity to discuss with each of my teachers to uh, the content of all of those classes to something that also had an Indigenous content for me to continue to develop my understanding of our Indigenous rights. And I think that kind of brought me all into that confidence level that I needed to want to be a contributor of change, want to be, uh, you know, want to be doing my things the way I did it. So obviously I, you know, worked in the in the movement. Women movement was one of the first things that I did. But right after I graduated from uh, uh, university, I specialized in communications, uh, public relations. I, I did was I opened a production company in the because I'd always truly believed in the power of art and the power of cinema to create those bridges between peoples and nations and generations. So it's really all about like the power of art. And then I went into a more political, while well, I went into the, the the women's movement, and then I went into the political table of chiefs here in Quebec and Labrador. We have a table, uh, an assembly of all of the chiefs that work together, and that's where I was responsible of partnerships and communications, but really linked resources and job development and um, 
But I always had a little bit of the cultural portfolio because we don't have at the table here in the region of Quebec uh, a, uh, a cultural commission, regional commission. So I was working for the Human Resources Commission, uh, but because because of my interest for art and culture as being as, as such a powerful tool to empower our youth. So for me, I was still using art and culture as a powerful tool to transform our youth in terms of human development. Um, I've, I always kind of kept the portfolio. Uh, so I'm really, really happy. So what I did was I opened a production company and then I had my family because I'm mother of two beautiful boys. One is 20 years old and one is uh, 13 years old. So two beautiful boys. And, and I truly believe in the power of transferring a little bit of our inspiration and uh, to the next generation. Because when we talk about, you know, wanting to have an impact into social and social changes, I really believe that the youths are the leaders of they need to have a space where they recognize, where they see each other. So really getting the youth involved. So now that I'm at Wabakoni, which is amazing because it's all about, you know, allowing and empowering those voices to use art, audiovisual, to use narratives, storytelling, um, new technologies, XR, et cetera, to kind of I often say, let's occupy the spaces, you know, kind of, we got to occupy the spaces if we want them to understand our views and values. And I really, truly believe that Indigenous views and values are what humanity wants today when we're thinking about protection of uh, Mother Earth, when we're thinking about discrimination and racism and systemic obstacles to integration and the power of diversity. And, and, and it's all part of the Indigenous values that our elders and leaders have always told us. And, you know, at Wapikoni, we're inspired by the medicine wheel. The medicine wheel is so aligned with the holistic perspective of the circle of care, you know, getting, getting out of that angle or square kind of model that's really linked to capitalism and the way we manage resources. So trying to see how we can be a little bit more community-based and community-grass-rooted within the choices that we make when we design for impact because we want, you know, we know that art and design for me, it's really close because we know that it's all about, you know, touching the hearts and emotions of people. And that's how we provoke and create change and openness. So that's so. So that's a little bit me, my little journey of you know, uh, a lot of hate uh, and frustrations to building a more uh, you know a better view about collaboration and co-creation and and contribution and and youth youth inspiring the youth, but also creating that intergenerational dialogue. I think it's really important for our youth and elders to be connected, uh, especially in the indigenous world, as a lot of those values, you know, that mainstream is a lot, uh, you know, bringing our youth to a more individualistic uh, mindset. And, uh, and our elders are really more connected to a collective and circle way of, of seeing life. So I, I, and I think it's the same you know, I am talking about individual behaviors, but I think it's the same in terms of social behaviors or larger group behaviors or even corporation behaviors. You know, everything is a little bit linked on a little bit decolonizing that that structural space that was designed on performance, competition, where putting somebody 
light has never been valued. It's more putting yourself in the light. So I, I think there's something, there's a change happening and that's where I want to contribute. And I hear the, le the leaders of tomorrow telling me about how they want to be working with different nations and different people of different genders and people of different identities and how rich it is for them to understand how they are part of something greater. So I think we're moving ahead in that direction and I'm, I'm now proud to be space it, it certainly sounds like a lot of the values that you're putting forward do align with many of the challenges that non-indigenous people are facing in the conversations that we do want to have exactly. and that idea of occupying the space of being that small voice but having to be so loud is is very important um, can you talk about what ways maybe you do that the thing that's really important and is a core value to us is the narrative sovereignty. Understanding narrative sovereignty is understanding that our stories belong to our storytellers and that non-Indigenous allies that have knowledge and that have had access to uh, opportunities or that have privileges of influencing or have access to budgets become allies to making these uh, stories told by our own people and with our own views uh, shown and showcased and included in larger groups and larger conversations. So and that's how we are kind of proposing something different because for so many generations, indigenous stories or even any type of marginalized or invisibilized voices have always been told by the privileged view and not told by the people. Because the way we share our story is completely different when, than the way it is perceived, that the, our story is perceived by people long we've seen indigenous stories always being told around our our difficulties our social challenges our, our you know always at while when you hear the youth and the elders talk about our stories it's always the beauties of our talent of our cultures of our identities and we're talking about the same thing we're talking about the reality of our you know of our community today but we will be looking at it in one way and a non-indigenous creator wanting to give us a voice in a documentary kind of way you know we'll always be looking at it in an editorial way so under to understand that you know have the creations done in our perspective and in our views will help to deconstruct what we have biases of what we believe is what public wants to see about our realities and so on so i think we need to be decolonizing and destructuring those 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 processes of thinking that we understand the market's need based on market plans and market while it's completely like having the courage to propose something new, I think is something that's uh, really something that we've done and that has demonstrated that, I mean, we've, we are all over the world. We are showcased in over 60 countries all over the world. We participate annually to about 300 different events, festivals, film festivals, uh, UNESCO uh, forums and uh, forums of all sorts and what people love about the the creations that are done through Wapconi is is that authentic kind of 
real view uh, and, and surprising view because they don't have access to that a lot. So that's one of the things that I think is really powerful. And if we now have Netflix as a partner supporting the, the fact that we are developing talents differently, uh, for me, it kind of says a lot on what's in terms of what does the audience want to know and uh we kind of the guy we got to think out of the box i think we're like we're at that point where we got to think out of the box and i think we've been just by trying to be ourselves in a colonial uh, world is really out of the box so that's one of the ways i think we get that happening and we get interest on us it wasn't the case 15 years back but now it is but uh Technically speaking, we're going to use obviously short films because it's something that is very accessible, uh, very use them before feature films, but we also use them to uh, bring awareness. Like, for example, uh, we've trained the, the judges of uh, the Quebec region with films. We've uh, presented films to the seven big presidents of the world so that they understand the realities of indigenous people here. We, we, we use the film in, in uh, universities, schools. Uh, we use the films in different areas but now what we're also developing within the virtual and one of the things that i think is really important is that we're breaking the barriers of accessibility the thing that we had to do was recognize there was a barrier of accessibility because a lot of people and i often talk to industry people and say you know when you want to be inclusive you got to recognize that you got to decolonize your perspective of excellence the journey to excellence is not the same for people that did not have access to the same opportunities. Our people live in isolated communities. It doesn't mean they don't have talent if they didn't go to the big universities and have the big teachers. You know, that's what we do. We travel to communities, them a complete mobile studio, fully equipped, all high tech. We have everything. We bring that to them in their community. We give them an additional space in the community and we give them mentors and guidance with people there that are going to show them how to use the material and how to make stories. And therefore, getting that to them is we found talents that nobody ever heard about because they were just scribbling in their basement. That's we realized, wow, you want to know how to do animation. And now they're like at big schools in Paris and, they, and they're doing like uh, gaming and they're designing for, you know, video games today because, but you know, if we hadn't done that first step of breaking that barrier, uh, we would have never found that talent. So I think one of the things is also to kind of figure out that going to them, even though it's sometimes seen as an investment in terms of talents, uh, gathering and, and finding the talents in, in that way. And in the past years, we've developed a lot of 360 because we think immersive projects are also extremely powerful in terms of getting that, you know, getting the heart, getting to the heart of the experience. Uh, we recently done one in Panama uh, where you get into the VR experience. You you are in an indigenous community of Panama and witnessing a traditional ceremony. And so it's something extremely powerful because you're you know, and we're pushing that. Uh, we are now creating a portable dome. 
because we believe in the mobility and the importance of being nomadic. So we have our portable studios, we have our portable cinema on wheels, we have bike projectors, uh, we even have a snowmobile tour because we want to go visit those communities and villages that are isolated by snow. So it's all about breaking the barriers of you don't have access to, we will develop it. And one of the things with the new technologies is that it's only the big urban centers that have those big, beautiful domes where you could, you know, get that experience. So we're now uh, developing and we're in the, like we hope to launch it next uh, summer, we're developing a portable nomadic dome projector that we will be able to fold. And it's going to be a little bit of work because it's a big setup, but we could still pack and unpack and bring it to spaces where, and especially in Indigenous communities, we don't have those types of equipment. And because more and more of our talents are developing in immersive creation, we want their work to be seen by their people. So the best, because they will not happen through government promises, is to try to develop our own technology like we did with the cinema on wheels, like we did with the bike projectors when we wanted to be in the parks and see the families and go where they are. It's all about meeting the talents and meeting the audiences wherever they are and going to them and making it accessible as much as possible. We're also working with museums and cultural institutions get to every branch of our society and every type of audiences. So school education, museums, cultural institutions, but also communities themselves. So that's what we've been developing for 15 years now. We have over 2,000 pieces that were done by over 5,000 participants. We're like in over 45 different communities in Canada, over 40 communities abroad across the world. Jordan, Palestine, uh, Bolivia, Peru, we're like, we've, it's amazing, a total of so many Indigenous and marginalized nations that were visited by Wapakoni the past year. We've, the Wapakoni collection is now recognized by UNESCO, but it's also being uh, awarded nationally and internationally for the beauty of the work. So it's really all about the fact that there are talented people that are coming from the you know, marginalized journeys, but they're they're taking part and being part of the cultural components. So one of the things that I also wanted to talk during the next, uh, the, the, the keynote is a little bit about the values. One of the things that I think is important is, you know, we have a set of seven different values that are guided by uh, symbols of animals and talk about humility and courage. And how does that, how do you do that? to have impact. I often say Wapikoni, we don't have a business model. We have an impact model because what's the most important for us is the medicine wheel that we have created for us. Mm. That's our medicine wheel. Uh, so inspire and belong, create and exist, learning and growth and knowledge and sharing. And it's all the heart of what we do is the collection of 2000 pieces of so many talents and partners and organizations so that's really like and it, for us it's really important that we do everything and in existing it's all about this narrative sovereignties the ownership we're also questioning i love the fact that uh, we question uh, realities in certain industries like uh, when you talk when you think about the credits of a film 
When you talk to indigenous creators, credits often belong to the community because stories belong to the community. So ownership, authorship, it's all things in traditional indigenous values. It's all about sharing. It's all about, it's a little bit like our ownership to the land. We don't own the land and you know, we're part of it and we're responsible for it. We're responsible for its survival. And it's the same when we think about work when we think about pieces, creation, there's a lot of that happening. We're seeing it a lot with the Mapuche in Chile. They've like looked at it in a such different way. I think it's just like crazy to, to see them think and develop credits in a way where ownership does not belong to individuals, but it belongs to communities. I think there's something also interesting in that in terms to look at how it could be done so but i'm also very much because i know how i've spoken to a lot of industry people and cultural institution people and and i know how it touches them a lot when i talk about the seven traditional values so that's one of the things that i think i really want to bring up and and it's how every animal symbols a value and how that value is important in terms of you know thinking your contribution to your work to your family to your community to your or even to the world, you know? So it's really positioning you in terms of what, what you have to do individually to be a part of the collective. So that's something that I really want to talk about because I think it's powerful and kind of just, because we often look at, you know, like big themes and ideologies or what should we be doing in a more, more ethical perspective. But I think we got to just bring it back to ourselves and, and then, it, you know, a, a responsibility that we, we just want to contribute to individually, you know, but it's a more collective responsibility. So that's I, think, the way. I think a lot of the world has been struggling to, to figure out how, how do we fulfill that collective responsibility as individuals? Exactly. And the, the audience for Interaction 21 um, is, I, I feel we're sort of almost tangential to, to filmmakers in, in that the audience are the people who the software and the tools that you know where we use every day and the interactions with computer systems that often moderate interactions with other people and so the audience will be a very interesting one to share those values with and i think bringing in that your voice those different values will give them that different view of reality so i'm very very excited to hear what those seven values and animals are I know, I can't wait to share that. It's really, really powerful. And another thing that I obviously want to share a little bit is that we are looking at peer-to-peer technology because a lot of our people don't have access to bandwidth. And that's a challenge now that we're developing so much on internet-based systems that we are creating another system of exclusion. And a lot of those excluded from those bandwidth opportunities are indigenous peoples or marginalized peoples or isolated or invisibilized people all over the world. So that's something that I think we kind of need to collectively be responsible of trying to figure out how can we create uh, systems because we're thinking because we have like these sometimes could be like one could be like completely western canada one could be northern quebec and what we're trying to see is how how can they without any bandwidth be communicating together and sharing very very heavy software footage sound things and how can they be sharing it without having access to internet 
without going to, so trying to build like peer-to-peer -peer systems and trying to kind of navigate around that issue of bandwidth and opportunity looking at well we're doing the baby steps you know because we're all and then eventually people are convinced and oh more people get involved yeah yay so i think it's all about just creating those first steps just to highlight that there's a need highlight that there's a problem highlight that be careful we're creating another type of privileged world but in a more virtual access it's so, probably uh, easier to send uh data to space than it is to indigenous remote communities exactly so trying to find and you know we've had government promises that we would have bandwidth but it's not happening it's not a priority so what we're trying to do is obviously defending the need for access to bandwidth like everybody else because we know the world is going to be you know we're all going into that and with this pandemic we're all working virtually so and we've been developing a virtual studio because we can't be working in mobility so we know that the access to creation with us now is limited to those that could have access to a good internet so that's a challenge but we are confident that you know life will re reopen and we will be able to retravel those spaces where it's more difficult for them to participate but it's really important to kind of industry and let them know you know that we have to be developing things parallelly because of this new ecosystem of exclusion and you know it's 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 starting so let's try to like focus on bringing in good core values into that into that work and hopefully the the people will you know the people that i will have the privilege to be talking to have privileges that they could be deciding to share with uh, Voices by bringing in those topics when they're thinking about it and, uh, you know, trying to think about, you know, inclusion as much as possible and understanding where the barriers of accessibilities are. Because I really truly believe that more people, you know, see themselves as, you know, being invited to take part, uh, the more we're going to have a diversity of point of views and a diversity of, of, of voices, the better whatever we are trying to design for the future will be and for the needs of our humanity as a whole. Absolutely. And I think you could not have said it better. Interaction 21, us being forced to be online, actually makes it the most accessible conference we've ever had, yeah. right? In terms of costs, in terms of travel, in terms of time engagements. And so we're super excited to bring this to even more people uh, across the world. And I'm, I'm overjoyed to, to be sharing your voice with all those people. I'm really, really happy. I can't wait to be writing my little bubble, my blur blur. But uh, I don't know, I've done a few and I will be sharing a little bit of it. But I'm really just happy. I think it will be... Uh, I'm always, I always find it a privilege and I know we'll I'll be able to talk to a lot of people that have a lot of influence and a lot of power and hopefully we'll give them a little bit of uh, the idea of sharing that to, to be more inclusive. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Our guest this episode was Odile Jarnett. Our interviewer was Alexi Morin. This odd episode was written, produced, and edited by Peter Last. I am your host, Elaine Mathias. The music is by New Tendencies. You can find their socials in the show notes. Thanks for letting us use it. We are a team of volunteers who love what they do and want to make a positive impact on the field of interaction design.
Don't miss our upcoming episodes by subscribing to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.